0: Good morning Hillside and welcome. Don't you love the tree? Thank you Marg and Noreen, Braven, uh, the wilds to come out and set this up. Awesome. You guys are so good. And I'm so glad you're with us this morning. We continue to be in strange days. I was considering this week whether to write a Christmas letter to like family and friends that are far away. And I'm like, what would I write? Like nothing's happened in my life this year. And We're kind of all going through the same thing. Uh, We have been kind of on lockdown and on this ride together. Uh, A a friend this week invented a word called turmoil. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Chaos and turmoil put together, and that's how their view of the world was this week. And uh, I got to say, in light of all the turmoil going on, or turmoil, chaos, I'm so glad it's Advent and today we take our eyes off all of that, and we remember the incredible hope that we have in Christ. Amen. And so again, we are going to, even though it's going to be different, we're going to have a testimony service at the end of our our year. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, you think and meditate on on what you are grateful for again. what are What are those things that God has done? How has He been faithful to you this year? What have you learned about him? What have you learned? Uh, how have you grown? And uh, we're going to invite you to, to record little, you know, videos of yourselves sharing these testimonies and send them in. We're going to re- do this ahead of time, so we would love our cutoff for this is December 17th. Uh, we'll have details in our uh, Friday reminder next week, and uh, we'd love to have you participate in that, um, but uh, please think about sharing your brief story of God's goodness to you this year, okay? Uh, well, it was 10 weeks ago that we began asking the question, what's in a name? And when it comes to God, it turns out there is an awful lot in his name. Today, we're wrapping up this series where we've walked through the implications of two verses, Exodus 36, uh, 6, and 7. These are like the John three sixteen of the Old Testament. You know, they're they're the two verses most quoted in the Bible by the Bible. And in them, God gives Moses his name, and then he goes on to describe the qualities that go with that with his name. And again, so indebted to and grateful for John Mark Comer and his book, God Has a Name. Been so good. If you have a Bible, grab yours and turn with me to Exodus chapter 34. We're going to read through this passage and For Moses, we're going back to where it started again. For Moses, it started with a bold prayer. Show me your glory. And then a a walk up fiery Mount Sinai. And and God meets Moses and reveals to Moses his name, Yahweh, and and so much more. Well, this morning, we're going to read this encounter and then keep on reading to see what happens next. And so we'll start our reading at verse 5 of Exodus 34. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. And God blessed the reading of his word. Moses does exactly what he should have done in that moment. Uh, he worships. Folks, worship is a reasonable and appropriate response for anyone who begins to see and know who God is. And, and by worship, I'm not just talking about songs on a Sunday or worship songs on your you know, Spotify playlist. Worship is a whole life orientation around the wonder and awe of God's nature and, and who he is. We, we often, I think, sometimes have funky ideas of, around worship, we gotta remember we don't worship because God needs cheering up, uh, you know we, we, or to impress him or to secure his favor or blessing. We worship in response to who God is. We worship Him because because he's the best game in town. There are other gods who are lesser gods, and we worship as we just discover how constant is is god's grace and compassion towards us new mercies every morning right we worship because he is always abounding in love and faithfulness towards us he tenaciously holds on to us through the thick and thin of our lives we worship as we discover that our god is slow to anger he doesn't lash out ever and he gets angry at the kind of things that, that we care about, the kind of things that, that hurt his kids, like idolatry and injustice. We find his mercy still always triumphs over judgment. When we begin to see Yahweh for who he really is, we will become worshipers. So Moses worships and and then he prays. By the way, we can learn a lot about prayer from Moses. And he says in verse nine, he says, Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Moses knows that the Israelites have kind of messed up big time and it turns out Yahweh, you know, and, and he's, thinking about not going with them on their trek to the promised land. And Moses is begging Yahweh to stick with them, to not give up, you know, to to carry on with them. And it turns out Yahweh does not need to be convinced or coerced or arm twisted. No surprise here again, God's mercy and his response. And And he makes this promise. He says, I'm making this covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. In other words, not only will Yahweh go with Israel, God is amazingly going to use Israel to showcase himself, to showcase his awesomeness and his goodness to the whole world. Why? Why? Well, so that they too eventually will come to worship Yahweh as well. And then verse 12, we read this warning from God. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Jealous, that's a strong word, right? God and jealous together? Doesn't that sound just a little bit on the dangerous side, like TNT, you know, all-powerful, all kind of possessive? Yikes. Uh, John Mark Comer clarifies this well. He says God is jealous, but it's not the jealousy of a, a selfish boyfriend controlling an insecure you know, checking his his girlfriend's phone when she's out of the room. It's the jealousy of a loving, faithful, passionate husband fighting to keep all other love or lovers out of the bedroom. It's the jealousy of a mother fighting to keep her teenage son away from the local drug dealer. so so jealousy is not always bad. It can actually be quite positive and protective. And used here in the text, it can be translated whose name is jealous or who is jealous for his name. Now, Yahweh being jealous for his name is actually him being protective of his reputation because one of the things you find out about the heart of God as you read through the scriptures is that God really cares about people coming to see him for who he really is. He hates it when you or I or or when anyone we know gets a wrong idea about him. When we, when we have these myths or misconceptions in our minds about what he is like. And so Yahweh is, is jealous for his name. And that's actually where we come in. Because when we say yes to God's invitation to you know, be his people, to, to be in relationship with Yahweh, through Christ, suddenly Yahweh's reputation is now tied up inextricably with us. When we become followers of Jesus, as we talked about last week, we get uh, amazingly adopted into God's family. And as members of God's family, we enter into something so very holy and significant, we now carry the family name. Uh, many of you know my my uh, my wife and I, you know, while perfect for each other, are truly an odd couple, right? Tall, big, brightly white me, <laughs> and then Angel, who's tiny and gorgeous and br- beautifully brown. She, uh, she grew up in Sri Lanka, and her maiden name is, like, super long. It's Yannapurgasm. It's a great name, took me a long time to be able to spell. But her dad thought that it was such a great name that he thought we should hyphenate our names when we got married, like Yannapurgasm Gray, as if that would be a good thing. I think not. We vetoed that. Her name was so long that in university, when she got her student ID, they had to carry over her last name onto the next line down. (laughs) It wouldn't fit. So when you wonder why we're together, I I would suggest... One of the reasons is she married me for my name. And most wonderfully now, she and our two sons are called by my name. They carry my name. And, and we, as God's people, were called by his name. It's a wonderful language of belonging that we see all throughout scriptures. Isaiah 43 has always been such an encouragement to me. It says, Do not fear, God says, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you or called you by name. You are mine. And a few verses later, he says, God says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Beautiful stuff. And then in Chronicles 7, uh, verse 14, we read, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now with this uh, incredible family-like relationship that we have with Yahweh, comes this astounding responsibility to mirror and mimic what God is like to the world. It turns out we really have two options with regards to God's name. We can, you know, carry the name, honor the name, or we can profane the name. Carrying Yahweh's name means we reflect Yahweh to the world. And Yahweh cares that we would reflect his character well, reflect who he is well, or accurately. As John Mark Homer says, What Yahweh wants is a living, breathing people to put his name on display, to show the world what he is like, not only by what we say, but by how we live. So if, in other words, if God is compassionate, you and I should be what? Compassionate. If God is gracious, therefore we should be gracious. If God is forgiving, therefore we ought to be forgiving. If God is slow to anger, we should be slow to get angry. In in, in bearing God's name, we have the honor to put Yahweh's character traits on display. As someone once said, the only Bible most people will read is you. And so we're called to carry the name wherever we go, to to carry the name in our cities, to to carry the name in our little neighborhood, to carry the name to our, our workplaces, To carry the name to our our coffee shops, to our our version of the Coquitlam Crunch, to our parks or our gyms, to the places where we walk our dogs, to our family. We we carry our name to our friends. for, For we are God's representatives. You know, people know, you know, that you follow Jesus for better or for worse. People know. I represent God one way or the other. I represent my family name. Every, every day you're kind of just living your life. You, you know what you're doing? You are carrying the name. You, you, you think you're just going to work to, to make a buck or or you're just going to school to, to get a mark. No, you're carrying the name. You, you think you're just taking your six-year-old to school. No, you're you're carrying the name. You're the the people of God. You're called to embody God wherever it is you go to show people what God is like. I, I think every once in a while, the penny ought to drop with someone who is in your life. And they'll go, man, you, you're you really generous. Your, your God must be generous. Or, or you're really gentle. You're, you're Your God must be gentle. You know, you're really kind. I I wonder. So so we carry God's name, but we can, on the other hand, profane God's name. You know, after our 10-week study of how important God's name is, it should not be a surprise that one of the Ten Commandments, number three, has a strong warning about God's name. Exodus 20, we read, you shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God, for Yahweh will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Another version says, you you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. But, But literally in Hebrew, it's like raise up Yahweh's name for no good. That's what it means to misuse God's name. Now, how I remember this commandment as a kid growing up in the church was basically that the the primary application seemed to be not to use God's name to curse. Now, now cursing God's name is, yes, not a good thing, right? But it goes way beyond that. Scholars argue that the basic idea behind this commandment is perjury. In ancient days, a little bit similar today, we, we swear on Bibles, right, in courts, but then you'd You'd swear by the name of your God or the name of your gods, you know, that this happened or that happened. And what Yahweh was saying here was, be careful that you do not misrepresent my name, that you don't raise up my name for no good. It actually kind of happens all the time. Sometimes it happens in church. Like someone who throws out this little line out there, God told me. And and then the thing that they say next is not in line with God or His Word. I'd suggest that's taking the Lord's name in vain. I think of some of the things that people have said to me as a pastor over the years. God told me to leave my wife, or or God told me to fudge the numbers that it was okay, or God told me to and like fill in the blank. Now, now I believe God speaks, I believe in prophetic giftings, but we have got to be careful using the language of God told me, because sometimes it can be used to manipulate, and sometimes it can be used to justify sin. And this is profaning the name, and, and it actually misrepresents God to the world. But profaning God's name actually happens in kind of deeper ways than that, Remember the kind of things that God gets mad about? Swearing? Not so much. Idolatry? Injustice? Absolutely. Consider the people of Israel. They were actually very careful about God's name. They didn't want to ever misuse his name, and so this commandment led to other commandments where they would actually not say the name of God out loud. That's why we have L-O-R-D in our scripture. It's They were so cautious about God's name. But they weren't nearly as careful about how they lived in other core ways. You know, look at Ezekiel chapter 36, where Ezekiel describes God's judgment on on Israel for their unjust ways. In verse 18 of Ezekiel 36, we read, So I poured out, God's saying, I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they defiled it with their idols. You've got right there, Injustice and idolatry. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went, get this, (laughs) wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave this land. I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations, Where they had gone. To profane the name is to treat as ordinary or commonplace or of little or no value. It's it's actually the opposite of treating God's name as holy and special and set apart and devoted to, like the hallowing of God's name that Jesus invites us to pray in his prayer Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy, set apart. This is what Israel was supposed to do, but instead, what did they do? They dragged God's name through the mud. (laughs) These people aren't compassionate. These people aren't loving. These people aren't slow to anger. This is what Yahweh is like. And as we said, God is jealous for his name. His agenda is for all the nations of the world, to get to know him. Richard Foster put it so profoundly this way. He said, we cannot preach the good news and be the bad news. We cannot preach the good news and yet still live out the bad news. This this happens with us. I, I mean, think of the ways in which Christians have at times poorly represented Christ And you don't have to go nearly so far back as to drag up examples like the Spanish Inquisition or the the Crusades. How about how how sometimes Christians today in 2020, you know, interact over social media? Compassionate and gracious? Not always. Or or Think about a classic example, restaurants and tipping. You know, why is it that servers, you know, used to be anyway that, they wouldn't want to work on Sundays at lunchtime because all the church crowds would come and, and, and they'd be hard to deal with, kind of ungrateful and horrible tippers, right? But They had a reputation of being stingy and not generous. To counter that, just think about Jesus going to a restaurant or to a coffee shop. How would Jesus behave if he went to a coffee shop? I, I, I suspect He'd tip, I'd suspect he'd be filled with joy. Uh, I, I can imagine he'd be present. Real question, what would Jesus tip? That's a good question for some of us to ponder. Uh, a few years ago, there was a study done by Barna uh, around attitudes towards Christians in the United States. And, and the results were published in a book called UnChristian. And, and these were some of the conclusions. Listen to their summary. It said, in our national surveys, we found that the three most common perceptions of present-day Christianity are anti-homosexual, judgmental, and hypocritical. And, and these three negative assumptions were, or assumptions were embraced by a majority of young adults. And I, I think it'd be similar results in Canada. Other perceptions of Christians, uh, too involved in politics, insensitive to others, uh, and not accepting of other faiths, and then to top it all off, boring and old-fashioned. And when, when they think of the Christian faith, these are the images that comes to mind. It's what a new generation thinks about Christianity. This is profaning the name. John, John Mark Comer talks about how, how in 20 years in the U.S., studies show that positive perceptions of evangelical Christians... Went from 85% positive to 20 years later, 3% positive. Now, there's good news and bad news in this. Bad news is, is this is profaning the name of Jesus. You know, his name gets dragged through the mud when we're like that. Good news is just like, you know, some have wrecked the name of Jesus in one generation. The hope is that we can write the name of Jesus in this next generation. Folks, what if we were known, not for being hypocritical and and judgmental, but what if we were known for our help in providing the the best drug treatment centers that are are going? What what if we were known for fostering troubled kids from from families that were in trouble? What What if we were known for ways in which we stand up against racism or for our concern about the rights of the indigenous, and for the ways we love the homeless and the refugee? What if we are known for justice, for generosity and humility, for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control? What if we were known all across our community for being compassionate and gracious? Wouldn't that be something? I believe that can happen. That is carrying the name. Now here's the problem. I'm part of the problem. Because along with you, I can carry the name, I can represent Jesus to my world, or I can profane the name. I can misrepresent what God is like. Taking his name in vain. If you're like me, there's times where I carry his name well. There are, there are other, there's kind of those moments, right? Those bright spots. But other times, not so much. Times where I am, you know, not gracious, not slow to get angry, not patient. There are times when I don't represent God well. I, I sometimes feel so disappointed with myself at times where my attitudes or behaviors are not very much like my God. I'm a mixed bag. That's why, folks, I am so grateful for Jesus. Jesus, who is Yahweh in the flesh. You see, Israel, they messed up. I messed up, and and you messed up, but not Jesus. There's this amazing passage in John 14, and one of Jesus' disciples, named Philip, asks Jesus this question He says, Lord, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus is not a mixed bag. Jesus carries the name. Jesus carries the name perfectly. As he says, when you see me, you've you've seen the Father. You've seen what God is like. It's, It's awesome, But watch what Jesus says next. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Uh, It's interesting. There's lots of controversy over what Jesus means by that statement, greater things than these. But as someone pointed out to me, one thing all scholars agree on, he doesn't mean Lesser things than these. That much we know. Greater. Why? Because he's going to the Father, and Jesus entrusts you with his name. He believes in you that you can carry the name. Folks, you're a carrier if you're a follower of Jesus. And Jesus entrusts you to represent himself to the world and show the world what God is like. How? The answer, well, he says, because I go to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for me anything in my name and I will do it. He'll do it. Jesus believes in you because he believes in the Spirit of God in you. And Jesus believes that when you pray, when you ask anything in his name, he'll do it. The phrase, in my name, really means, as we've said before, praying in alignment with Jesus, praying those for those kinds of characteristics of God's nature. Ask God to make you gracious and compassionate and see what happens. Ask him to make you slow to become angry and watch that change that begins in your life. Ask God, by his spirit, to to cause you to be abounding in love and faithfulness. Ask God to make you the kind of person that overlooks an offense, that forgives wickedness and sin in your life. Ask him that you might grow and become like him. And you see, whenever you pray in Jesus' name in line with what Jesus is like, he'll do it because you carry the name. It's so good. Well, to wrap up, I just love how John Mark Comer kind of ends or concludes his book. He says this, let me just quote him. He says, friends, don't be afraid to climb the mountain, the mountain Moses climbed. Step into the mountain and the smoke and the fire. Devote your life to the pursuit of this terrifyingly good God. I love that. He goes on to say, if you fall along the way, scrape up your knees, you'll lose ground, that's okay, give it another go. And remember, wherever you set your foot, you carry the name. You're not just a barista. You're a living breathing example of what Yahweh is like. You're not just a software engineer or an entrepreneur, you're a temple on legs, a house of God. You're not just a college student or a school teacher or a full-time parent you are in an intermediary between heaven and earth everywhere you go all that you do you are called by the name of Yahweh and it's a really really good name let's pray god we we thank you for the way you've unveiled yourself it Uh, Two verses, and it's taken us 10 weeks because, God, uh, your character is so rich and deep. And uh, we thank you for the way you've helped us uh, discover more about who you are. And, Lord, you want us to continue to grow in you. And I pray uh, we might be those who, as we see who you are, we might become true worshipers in spirit and in truth that we might be like Moses, that we fall down and we devote our lives and orientate our lives around the goodness of this God. Father, uh, you bestow on us such amazing privilege to carry the name, to to represent you to the world. And uh, we fail at it so much, Lord. So often we misuse your name. Uh, We bring sorrow to your name. I thank you for your mercy. I pray, Lord, that you would give us courage to pray bold prayers, to pray for your qualities, your characteristics in our life, that you'd make us like you, that we might carry your name well for the sake of the world that you love so much. I pray these things now in the name above every other name. Jesus, amen.